0: Bring it in, read option, spooky read option podcast, recording this Halloween afternoon. Uh, we are 30 minutes, almost to the dot, away from the end of the uh, NFL trade deadline. We have some uh, trades that have broken today, some interesting stuff we will go through. Uh, we have the full crew here together. Very excited. Uh, should be a fun podcast. Boys, How is our, how are everybody? Scotty's running around with his shirt off. Um, I, I don't know what's happening right now. Uh, and the best is that Scotty is a committed, like, green screen background guy on Zoom. Like, he always has a green screen behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very dad energy of him, and he is he is the dad of this podcast. We know that. Um, but Vito, how how are you doing, buddy? We'll start with you while Scott gets his shit together.
1: <laughs> Great man. Um. So this weekend, South Africa won the Rugby World Cup. Oh, did they? That's over. Oh wow. my God, it was incredible. Us versus New Zealand. Uh, it was an incredible match. Uh, fourth time we're the first four time winners of the Rugby World Cup, and we couldn't even play in the first two. Um. Anyway, victus. Yeah. And that was 95. So since then, I mean, a lot of people in South Africa are saying this means the most since then. Unemployment wow. rates are super high. Things Hell aren't yeah. going great in that country. And, like, this is huge for them. Super happy, um, you know, for my dad, for everyone from there. Good, just fucking awesome. And then, uh, yeah, had a great – I actually went down to D.C. for, like, like the day and watched with him, basically. Yeah. Uh, but it was worth it. And uh, crazy, crazy weekend. I went to a suburbs – like not, I shouldn't say suburb. Cause like not suburb, but suburban. like my sister, oh she's almost 40, like that age, like parents and kids yeah. Halloween party. I showed oh. up at 845, bro. People are leaving. People are like, we got a babysitter. It's this kid. They're leaving at night. I'm like, I looked at my sister. I'm like, is this what like parties are like at your age? She's like, yeah, people have responsibilities now. And I was like, yeah. oh, and you go to bed at a reasonable hour. Yeah. Even and, after and you a get party. A- like we were cleaning up at 11. I was like, what is going on here? Uh, but it was so much fun. Shout out Derek and Colleen. Oh God, it was a great time. So uh, no, a great weekend out here. Great weekend for me. Love that. I uh, I do
0: love that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Shout out South Africa. Uh, they're on the up. Vibes are high. In, yeah. Uh, Cape Cape Town, right? That's South Cape Africa, Town. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joburg, uh, all in, that. Invictus. Um, yeah. That's, that's about an apartheid. That's about all I know. When it and then Nelson Mandela, there you go. Yeah, that's four four things I know about South Africa, and that you're from there. Um, no, that's awesome though. That is super cool. Uh, it's crazy because that started week one, right? Like week one of yeah. the NFL, and it's it's just wrapping up now. Take full eight weeks of the NFL, mm-hmm. two months to get there, um, which isn't too dissimilar to like the soccer World Cup. It always takes a lot longer than than you kind of think it does. Yeah. Um, but that's sick, man. Shout out! Shout yeah. out to uh, what's what? What is the Mascot spring the spring, or... the
1: the spring, spring box.
0: That's right. I was going to so, say, it's, uh, it's like a rabbit, also, right?
1: We uh, it's no, it's like a, it's like a deer. It's more like a gazelle slash oh. deer. It's like a spring ah, but they, uh, um, they, they won their last three games. So the semi, the quarters, the semis and the final all by one point, which is actually ridiculous to do in rugby. Um, they didn't score a point in the second half and one, it was, again, it was one of the just craziest matches, very defensive, uh, beautiful sport just a beautiful sport god i love it and i it sucks that we'll have years to go until we get some world cup action again but super rugby's right around there so love that um
0: scotty how are you you are settled you are now you have a shirt on which is good we're making progress
2: unfortunate
0: Um, really um for me and Vito, it's unfortunate we we like when you you show up shirtless um yeah how are you doing scotty i'm
2: good i'm good uh football's dead um it's over can (laughs) You can forget it. Basketball season is new. Uh, go Warriors. Um, we are underway with basketball season, boys.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you, got, you know, your your boys had a really tough, hard, uh, tough, hard fought game on Saturday against a really notoriously great Indiana football team. Uh, you know, it took all four quarters. Penn State, you know, it's a tough, you know, when you're playing a team as good as Indiana, you know, it's going to be an absolute knockdown drag out brawl. Um, so credit to the boys for Eakin that, that went out there. Uh, shout out Tom Allen. Still love Tom Allen. Uh, it that's 20
1: We're not a great team. We're not a great team. We stopped covering. What yeah. happened? Franklin, get back in the lab. Let's start covering again.
2: Oh yeah. no, that's not going to matter. We've seen the same thing for a decade. Get out of the
0: lab. In fact, and let Manny Diaz do his thing. <laughs> Coach in waiting, perhaps. Um, no, football season's a lot. So we'll, we'll get into some of the trade deadlines stuff. I do want to say, so I, I said this on friday's pod that didn't get released until saturday because um well i got in i got i got a rear-ended driving home it sucked uh yeah, second okay, buddy i'm good uh insurance is handling it now um yeah i was sitting at a red light and just got absolutely plowed into the back of me by a pickup truck um luckily hmm. it, it should the car still should be good I, I was able to get like an online estimate and everything through my insurance so it seems like everything's good um but because of that uh, my, my timeline for Friday got a little screwed up. So the pod did come out a little bit later than I anticipated. It didn't come out until Saturday morning. I appreciate everybody for understanding that. Um, but Friday, Scotty and I went, go, went to go play golf. Uh, I put together one of the best rounds of golf. I, I, I at least one of the best stretches Certainly of the golf back I've ever played. Yeah. Yeah. Played the last 10 holes at, uh, just about even par. Uh, I think I was, might've been one over, might've been even par. Um, had a chance, needed to birdie 18 to shoot 79 on a really, really hard golf course. Uh, so your boy was feeling it. Great start to the weekend. And then Sunday, uh, went to uh, FedEx Field in what can only be described as the biggest shithole on the planet. I would rather mm, watch. Have you been to
2: Oakland?
0: I would rather watch an NFL game in one of the uh, the former Olympic stadiums in Rio, you know, from like eight years ago. I would rather watch a football game there that's being overgrown in grass and and green water everywhere. I would rather do that. I cannot explain. It. So we we get there early to tailgate, and the Marine Corps marathon was going on in DC. So we were like, we got to get there early. The lots open at nine. We didn't want to leave that early, but like, but just to avoid traffic, effortless getting in. My girlfriend and I are there, we're watching the game, everything's good. Or we're, we're tailgating, had a couple other friends come and meet us up there. We go in, vibes are high, takes a little bit to get into that stadium. Took about like 20 minutes just to get through security. That's how poorly designed this dog shit stadium is. And then once we get in, opening kickoff, we can hear, you know, we hear the teams coming out, massive ovation for the Eagles. It was about 60 to 65% Eagles fans. So a pretty good showing for commanders fans, honestly, all things considered compared <laughs> to how compared to how it normally is at that stadium, the commanders, that's fans a actually funny sh- joke. They showed out a little bit there. I wish it was a joke, Scott, because it's actually not. No, Every, no it's quality. I, yeah. I was being serious. <laughs> it's just a hilarious, the nature of just how how ridiculous that place is. Um, and honestly, sometimes it can take you the same amount of time to get from Philly to that stadium as it will to take you to get from Northern Virginia oh, yeah. to that stadium. So it, it yeah. makes a ton of sense. But I'm pumped. Vibes are high. We go, again, shout out to my friend Molly McCabe. She's one of the uh, cheerleaders for the commanders. She got us or, or their their command squad, they're called, which is a great name for a good dance squad. I, that I actually, love that. Yeah. That is um, solid, yeah. Yeah, command squad. I thought it's a good one. Um, so we walk up, and I didn't think there was a single stadium still active outside of maybe the Coliseum, Scotty, as, as you were saying, that still had, you know, true obs- uh, 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 true blocked off views. I forget with obstructed Obstructive view seats. Views, yeah. Yeah. Um I sent you guys the picture. These were the worst <laughs> seats in the history of professional sports at an event. I mean, I, where we were sitting in this, what's the 200 level there, had about the overhang from the level above us blocked off everything from, we were in like the back left corner of the end zone, of one of the end zones, right? So we're looking out. Not, we had a giant pole that blocked that was right in front of us that blocked out about 40% of the field. But then on top of that, the overhang from the, the section above us blocked off the entire back half of the field. So I could basically see the sidelines on each side up to like kind of the hash marks, but a college hash mark length like coming mm-hmm. in down to the pylons and back both back corners of the end zone. That's all we could see. So we sat there. The Eagles go three and out on their first drive after the commanders went down, scored a touchdown. I'm in a bad mood. The Eagles let the commanders go straight down the field. Vibes are completely off after being sky high to start off the day. And God bless my girlfriend. She was a trooper. She said, she's texting her friend who used to work for the commanders used to work for the Snyders. And, uh, and she was like, go to one of the end zones. If you go early enough, the standing room should still be open. You can probably find a spot. It'll be your best bet to see something. Because the only standing room spots in that whole stadium that you can see the field are literally the width of the end zone. Um, and it is it is an absolute dog shit venue. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, we found agreed. spots we could I could kind of see. I mean, I I it was it was less than ideal, right? And then the Eagles go down 14-3. And then what do you know, A.J. Brown, catch of the year, unbelievable touch on catch, vibes turn around, second half, read Blankenship with the pick, the Eagles go on to win, and, and, and all the Eagles fans in there are celebrating. Luckily, we were on the side that the Eagles walked off the field, so we got some cool pictures, and we got to kind of go up and see some stuff there. So we made the most out of it. But the first time I went to FedEx Field, I was like, look, the place is a shithole, but it's not that bad. You know, at least you can see the field and everything, like – it is the worst venue in professional sports. It's not even remotely close. If you're going to go avoid anything that starts with a two, because the entire 200 section, unless you're in like the first three rows of it, you will not be able to see the field. So um, shout out to Molly. Got us, got us a great parking spot, got us in the doors. That's all we needed. The rest of it, we made the most of it. Um, But yeah, I mean, Josh, Josh Harris, do something. Um, I will say too, and this is a perfect transition as we get into the uh, trade deadline, right? That's going on here. Josh Harris, the commanders making deals. Montez Sweat goes to the Chicago Bears and uh, Chase Young gets traded to your San Francisco 49ers. You could say that my presence, you know, basically killed the commanders. I've been to one football game in the last like six years. And uh, I'll say this. I mean, results are results, right? I, I come in there. We get the win, and now the Commanders are trading their whole team. I, I don't know. Commander just fans, just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Um, just
2: just saying. Jeff has a track record. I got a question for you, Jeff, yeah. uh, about your experience watching the game. So uh, I, I've, like you, haven't been to an NFL game in person in a really long time. Since then, I've been watching Red Zone week in and week out. Was it different for you being at the game and not being
0: locked into Red Zone like we usually are on Sundays? It's tough. I mean, I'll tell you what, my, we're recording this on Tuesday. Normally, we record on Mondays. I spent a good like three hours yesterday just rewatching as much of the game stuff as I could so I could be prepared for the pod. Um, I usually go back and like we'll look for specific plays and try to catch up on stuff that I took notes on. Um, I had to basically go back and like rewatch as much of the games in totality as I could. Yeah. Um, it, I love going to games in person. I actually prefer to sit a little bit higher up because I love seeing the back end stuff in the secondary that you just don't get a chance to see when you're in, you're watching it on TV. Like I just feel like there's stuff that even on, you know, you run an option to the right or a sweep to the right or something. And the camera zooms in, you're missing everything on the back half of the field. And there's a lot of interesting things you can see. I feel like I can lock in better on individual players' performances. It does suck not being as locked in to the rest of the NFL, especially with this week when it seemed as kind of weird as it was with a lot of interesting results kind of throughout the whole the whole league throughout uh, Sunday. Um, but it was, you know, I, if I could have seen more of the field, I probably would have felt a little bit different. I probably would have felt a little more jazzed up about seeing everything. But, you know, from what I did see, I got a great vantage point of the A.J. Brown touchdown. It was on the opposite end zone of where I was at, but I saw it clear as day, and I knew the second he went up for it that he caught it. And it was... Was unbelievable. So you see some things that are awesome. You miss a bunch of other things. It's always a trade off. Um, if I again, if the seats were better, if I could have seen the full field, uh, I I think I probably would have been like, you know what, I'm okay with missing a day of red zone for this. And as a whole, the experience was still fun. We had a great day. Um, but yeah, you miss a lot. You know, following on the ESPN app on scores just doesn't quite hit hit the same. Um, all right, trade deadline stuff real quick. Uh, it is we got about 15 minutes here beforehand. We know Chase Young, he's going to the Niners. Um, For a third-round pick, Montez Sweat goes to Chicago for a second-round pick. The Commanders pull in a second, third-round pick for two guys on a team like this. Look, they're they're calling it in for the season, right? There were reports that came out last week that, depending on what happened with the Eagles-Commanders game, was going to determine how much of sellers the Commanders were at the deadline. They pull in a second and a third-round pick. Uh, Vito and I were talking before Scotty hopped on. Love this move for the Niners because it's essentially risk-free in addition to getting in chase young, which they sent a third round pick for, they are projected to get two round compensatory picks in this upcoming draft because of the loss of D'Amico Ryan's on their offensive coordinator from last year, as well as losing Mike McGlinchey. So essentially you send out a third round pick, which is going to be in the back half of the third round. Anyway, you're going to get two from the NFL for the compensatory stuff. And you're getting Chase Young from it. So really, you're gaining a third-round pick that's going to be in the same ballpark as where the third-round pick you sent the commanders were. And you get to bring in a young guy who they're not going to pay him this offseason. It's probably going to be a one-year rental. It's going to give a chance for Chase Young to go out and prove, hey, I deserve to be paid. I'm I, There's a reason I was the second overall pick, all that stuff. He does have five-and-a-half sacks on the season, by the way. Um, I think it's a great pickup. You can never have too much depth along either line of scrimmage for either team or either side. So I I think it's a great pickup for the Niners, the bears. I get it. Right. I mean, Montez sweat, I think he's got one year left on his contract after this season. Um, So you're just adding a little bit of extra talent around a team that, you know, the bears definitely are not in win now mode, but it's not a bad thing to have good players on your team. And and I think ultimately if there's been one big weakness of the Chicago team, I mean, there's been a lot of them, but one of them has been the defensive line and getting after the quarterback. So you send out Montez sweat, you're the commanders, you're adding draft capital, you're moving forward. You have a quarterback. I think you feel really good about, uh, and you kind of move on from there. Um, Scotty. Have, have I talked you down the ledge of the Chase Young trade yet, or are you still not happy yeah, about no. it?
2: Look, I, I, I'm i fine with it. I just, like, that's not a position of need right now, and the unit is underperforming anyway over the past three games. For the team to invest a billion dollars on that defensive line, for, for Nick Bosa to have, like, one and a half sacks this year, abhorrent. They they have been just, just annoying the hell out of me over the past three games against two what I think are mediocre teams and one really good one. But um, to me, I, I get it. You you get the, the two compensatory picks. You end up with a third-round pick and Chase Young in that scenario, um, which is fine. But now, like, to me, there's no excuse. You have, at least on paper, you have literally the best defensive line that has ever been constructed in the history of the National Football League. Wow. On paper, on paper. On paper, would I rather be in the situation that the Philadelphia Eagles are in right now? Hell yes, because Jalen Carter has come in and proven himself. Because Hassan Reddick has come in and been an absolute monster. Because Fletcher Cox can rotate in and out, and you talk about depth on that defensive yeah. line. Can Jordan rotate Davis in and out. has
0: been awesome this year. Those guys yeah. have
2: proven themselves so far this year. On paper, the a hundred whatever million, a couple hundred million invested on that defensive line. That's supposed to be the most elite in, unit in the in the entire National Football League has not been. So there's no excuse right now. None. You have to go out and do it with all the guys on that, on that roster. And that's my gripe right now. Go out and do it. And you got to Which- buy week. So you get him, uh, you get him a little more acclimated to the defense. Um, and and I think it's in, in the end, it's gonna be good. Uh, an elite young pass rusher who if he can stay healthy and I think he will be able to with, with the, the ability to rotate with the depth we have. um, I think it's a good move. I really do.
0: Yeah. You know what? And I think that's actually a pretty fair rationalization of the whole situation. Like I I don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy for you to be disappointed with what this team, especially like Bosa, like Bosa is, is coming off of the unbelievable year he has, he had last year. He has not been, he's not been the same guy this year and he's still, like terrifying when you go up against them, but I think he's got like two and a half sacks this year. His pressure numbers are down. We know sacks aren't the end all be all. They're really not that, they, you know, they're not necessarily a direct correlation into like being a really, really good pass rusher. Um, but ultimately like the nice thing you have here is you have eight guys right now. And and I was just pulling it up here. If you look at the, the defensive line, for the Niners, it's Bosa, Chase Young, Hargrave, Eric Armstead, Drake Jackson, Randy Gregory, Javon Kinlaw. Like all of those yeah. guys have had I've either been really good in the past or have had moments. So, again, yeah, on paper, sounds uh, again on, on paper, it does. I think you'd be a fool to think that at some point this season, that defensive line is not going to continue to be a strength. It hasn't looked good in the last three weeks. It's been a tough three week stretch for the Niners. A lot of the issues, though, come from the offensive side of the ball, too. Right. The the offense has come down. Brock Purdy's come down to earth. He's dealing with the concussion stuff. They have no Debo. They have no Trent Williams. A lot of these issues that the Niners have, and we'll get into them when we talk about that game against the Bengals this week have come from the offense being, you know, particularly disappointing this season as well. So while I do understand it, I think adding depth and like Randy Gregory hasn't done a ton since getting traded there, but he's going to have a moment. And Chase Young is having his best season since his rookie year. And this is the healthiest he's been since his rookie year. And I think ultimately that's going to help, you know, in the long run, having depth and having guys to cycle through, you know, if if you can cut the amount of snaps that Nick Bosa has to play by you know 7 to 10 per game and still get good you know rush good good prep quarterback you know and then he has fresher legs in the biggest moments of games down the stretch when they're playing Philadelphia when they're playing Seattle that's going to end up being really really beneficial for this this Niners team down the line it's hard to bring in guys at positions of need you know cuz There's been plenty of games this year where the nine year secondary has looked incredible, and it's looked a little tough here. I think right now teams have kind of figured out what they've been scheming up. And I think the move of not having D'Amico Ryans is as impactful as as anything else that's happened. And I think I should say, you know, those first six games or the first five games, they looked awesome, right? And now we're starting to see it kind of balance out a little bit. Um, And the only other trades we did have uh, Josh Dobbs got traded to Minnesota. Um, Great move. Also weird that like Jonathan Gannon came out yesterday and after saying at the press conference on Sunday that Dobbs is going to continue to be the starter to then saying yesterday that he's not going to be the starter anymore. Then they named Clayton Toon to be the starter this week. They activate they're in the 21 day window for Kyler Murray to uh, be activated off of the pup list right now. So they have that coming down the line as well. Um, I don't know. I don't think Josh Dobbs is the issue there, but yeah. Um, just that whole timeline of how the information came out to inevitably then find out that he's being traded in Minnesota this week is interesting. Um, kind of feels yeah. like the, the cart ahead of the horse
1: there. Um, like I said, so first they,
0: time head coach not to do it. What?
1: Yeah. And call of duty comes out in 10 days. So yeah. what are we doing here? Thinking that Kyler is going to have any sort of <laughs> awareness on what's going on on the football.
2: football? That's a great, point. Exactly. Well, it sounds like
1: they're trying to tank. That's all I'm saying. You don't, exactly. you don't tell Kyler, you're starting in November. That's a terrible idea every year. I don't know. That's why and he usually I gets injured. Scott he usually he... gets injured around now, so yeah. he can go play the new Call of Duty.
0: Yeah, well, he's always been good for, like, the first six games of his career. So just have him sit out the first, like, nine games, and then you might have a chance to have him for the rest of the season. Uh, um, I I'm said sure. and I said, I said eight I said, in those nine. <laughs> I said to uh, – that's true. That's a fair point there, Scotty. Uh, <laughs> I, I said to Scotty, too, it's, it's interesting we haven't heard any of those, like, man, Kyler Murray looks really good – you know rehabbing reports yet either, which a lot of times you. I mean, we've been talking more about Aaron Rodgers coming back, and he tore his Achilles in Week One. Then we have about Kyler Murray who tore his ACL back in what was that like November of last year. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. I think we'll see Kyler Murray pop out here soon. Um, the only other trade that happened, I think, today so far as we hit the uh, seven-minute mark to the end of the free, uh, deadline was Donovan Peoples-Jones going to Detroit for a 2024 6th rounder. Um, you know, adds a little bit of depth there. I, it's weird because I feel like Detroit has a pretty good room of wide receivers. Uh, Obviously, Amon Rob, but you have Jameson Williams uh, who has – you know, boom or bust a little bit, in his you know really true rookie season so far here in the NFL. Uh, and who who else do they? Oh, they have uh, Josh Reynolds, who's also been really really good. So they they kind of have a solid three there up at the top. Um, but hey, adding a little bit of depth there can never hurt. So um, and and you know injuries are always going to come, and, and Detroit's getting ready for a bit of a playoff run here. Uh, other than that, if anything breaks in the next few minutes or comes out after the deadline, we will update you. Uh, but until then, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we will break down all the games from week eight in the NFL. That quickly, we literally stopped recording for like five minutes so I could go down and do something real quick. And uh, the we forgot to mention Leonard Williams got traded from the Giants to Seattle. That's going to help. at add, again, adding depth to the defensive line. That is a, a big move for them. Uh, Leonard Williams. Such a stud coming out of college. He's been a little bit of a disappointment, I think, as an NFL player. But he's still a really solid three technique. Just, a guy, again, guy who will give you quality reps. He can throw in the rotation. Um, that defense has been really good this year, and I think it's only going to continue to get better. And then, Great. just as I left, we had breaking news. Razzle Douglas, uh, former Philadelphia Eagle. Still can't believe he's turned into the player that he has. Uh, going to the Buffalo Bills. Love this move for Buffalo add some depth at a position of need for them that they desperately need help in that secondary. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, Razzle Douglas. I think he's been on like five different NFL teams. He's only been good in one. He's only been a quality starter for one team in the NFL. And that is the green Bay Packers. So hopefully this version of Razzle Douglas that, you know, we, that green Bay has seen Buffalo will get that version of him as opposed to the version that he was in every other stop of his career. But, uh, that is a fifth round pick going back to Green Bay. The Buffalo Bills get, getting some depth and at least again some a guy who's shown some some quality football here over the last couple of years. Uh, he will now be a Buffalo Bill moving forward. Uh, speaking of the Bills, Thursday Night Football, not a great win, not a world beater win, but you know what, a win's a win. Shout out to the Bucks for covering that one. I needed that. Uh, by the way, our uh, score scoring update for everybody on the pod. Um, mm-hmm. Vito calculated and went through and found everything. We had not one, not two, but four pushes in the NFL this weekend. And depending on where you got your lines, right? Like I saw the Eagles minus six and a half on Sunday morning. Uh, I saw the Jets minus two and a half on Sunday morning. I saw the Lions plus eight and a half on Monday morning. So that lo- those lines had been jumping around a lot. We just happened to get them right at the time where we had four pushes. Um, but because of that Scotty went five seven and four. Baseball. Uh, Vito went four, seven and four. he did not get the Thursday night pick in in time. that's okay Vito, we forgive you. Uh, and I led the way this week going six, six and four. a very weird week in uh, picking games here. Uh, but Vito did lead the way with locks this week going two and one. Scotty and I both went one, one, and one on our picks for the week. So uh, a lot of weird, interesting stuff. Uh, Vito now in first place in our locks, 10 and five. I'm 11, nine, and one. And Scotty, seven, 10, and one on the locks. Our overall stuff, Scotty still 10 games above, 546, 36, and seven. Vito, 31, 27, and four. And I went, I'm at 61, 51, and eight eight pushes already through eight weeks of the season, which is by far the most we've had um, throughout a season. And it's only eight weeks in. So uh, Vegas, yes, baby. that's weird. Vegas is killing it this year. Yeah. Vegas has been, has been cleaning not,
1: out. not the, not the Raiders Vegas. No. Yes. As a, as a, <laughs> yes. City. To be clear. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs>
0: definitely not the Raiders. Not that you needed <laughs> us to, uh, to explain <laughs> that, but definitely not the Raiders. Um. But yeah, look, the bills get a win. They stopped the bleeding a little bit. It didn't look great, Um. but we did see a little bit. And, and, I still think the Bucks are a pretty solid defense, and if it wasn't for the garbage time touchdown in the fourth quarter, you know this is a two touchdown win by Buffalo. Um, it was just a game where I feel like they just needed to kind of get get back on track. They have the two touchdowns in the second quarter, they come out hot in the third quarter, score a touchdown, they hold on to that lead for the for the rest of the way. Um, the Bills kind of back. I still think that defense has some question marks to it. Uh, and the offense, if it, it looked a little bit cleaner on Thursday night, but still not exactly what we're accustomed to seeing from this Bills team. But they sit at five and three right now, um, and are still a very dangerous team. They still have Josh Allen and Stefan Dick, so they're still going to be really good at football.
2: Yeah, no, for me, that's the the moral you take away from this game is uh, you know a close game against a, a team that in the Bucks who's who's starting to struggle a little bit. But Josh Allen looks much better than he has over the the last like 4 5 6 week stretch. Uh the the receiving core looks more balanced. It's not just Allen has to get the ball out to to Stefan Diggs. It's Gabe Davis getting involved uh as well who I believe uh was out targeted or Gabe Davis out targeted Stefan Diggs in this game. Um so those are our hopeful signs. James Cook, James Cook and the running games getting going and they just added Leonard Fournette to the practice squad for some depth. So I mean, th- this team is looking to to get back on track and it has to be like a week-to-week effort, right? Because through the first seven weeks of, uh, of, of football, we've looked at the Bills and gone, you're one of the best teams in the league and actually maybe no, you're kind of mediocre and you lost to the Patriots. And so I think it, it has to be one of those, one of those, uh, y- you need to see a drop kind of games and that's what this was and you need to like, um sort of pick up week by week and and figure out how you can get better each week as you as you hit the stretch run here i think the bills are doing that kincaid too man
0: that dude's a beast yeah i think the dalton kincaid thing's such a great point scotty um it's one of those things where it's rookie tight ends typically don't come in and and play really really well like what we saw to sam laporta this year was honestly really surprising and even he's cooled off a little bit over the last couple weeks for detroit um but I think now that he's kind of caught up to speed and Dawson Knox has gone through some some injuries stuff here a little bit, getting him more involved into the offense is only going to make their offense that much better. Right. Having that threat over the middle because you're still going to have Gabe Davis to take the top off. You're still going to let Stefan Diggs be Stefan Diggs and he's still going to be your top tier guy. But giving them a, a, that third option, which they've never really had a consistent guy, Dawson Knox, I think. His numbers are better than what he would be if he was playing on another team, just because there has never been another option for Josh Allen to throw the ball in that third part of the field, and being able to get him the football uh, over the years has proven really big in big time games. But Dawson Knox is is not like a star tight end. You know, he's in that um, like that Jake Ferguson. Um, who's the guy that Dalton i who, Schultz? Dalton Schultz. I was gonna say who's the yeah. guy I was I was shit on who played in Dallas. Like <laughs> I knew you were again, going in, there <laughs> in, the, in the right in the right system. Like is a really solid role player. He's not gonna like change the game for you. He's not gonna be an elevator way that Kittle or Kelsey or Goddard or Gronk used to be, or even like going back to the Dallas Clark days. Like he's not one of those guys. Dalton Kincaid could be one of those guys. And now we're eight weeks in. He seems like he's caught up to speed. I think it's a great addition. Um And the running game, too. I, I agree. Uh Better defensive performance for them than we've seen in a while. But you're also going up against Baker. You're going up against uh, an offensive line that's banged up. So there, there's plenty of opportunities there. Uh, but this is, yeah, like I said before, it's a get get right game um, for Buffalo. And, and they looked better this week. They looked better. Um, Vito, any other thoughts here on this game? Still feeling no. confident in, in the Bucks to, to to take on the NFC South?
1: Uh, listen, I, I don't think anyone really expected them to beat the Bills. Yeah, I think that ride their schedule out. Let's see how it goes, but I think they can still do it. Uh, I think it all comes down to those divisional games. The last, you know, I love how the NFL schedule does this. But right in the last quarter of the season, all of a sudden there's like a bunch of divisional games that matter right at the end. So yeah, uh, I think they'll all be in it. I think it comes down to that like four to five game stretch.
0: Well, and as of right now, the Falcons and Saints are both four and four. The Bucks had a bye week; they're at three and four. So, a half game separating all three of those teams from the top of that division. Don't think we're getting a wild card team from that division. So, ultimately, it's going to come down to who ends up winning that division to represent the NFC South in the postseason. Uh, all right, let's go to the one o'clock games on Sunday uh, next week. By the way, we go back to an early game. Chiefs Dolphins will be our Germany game next week which should be a very very fun entertaining early game. Everyone remember to that's, set your clocks that day. That has to be the best foreign soil game that has been played. So well, remember far, right? the 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 uh, Chiefs Rams legendary Monday night game was supposed to be in Mexico City. Right. Yeah. And then they had to move it last second. So, I think you're right. If you're talking about games that's that's scheduled to be overseas, I think that Rams Chiefs game might be up there. Um but that game wasn't in foreign soil. So I think you're right, Scotty. I think this will be the best one. Uh, one o'clock games, Cowboys, 43 Rams, 20. Uh, this was exactly kind of what I thought it was going to be, which was that the Cowboys had been a little too quiet. They hadn't been playing super clean football. They needed a big time, like, hey, let's come out here. Let's win a big time. Fo- like, let's just dominate this team, right? It's a game that not a lot of people are paying attention to. The Cowboys came out and they do this, right? They've done this during the entirety of the Dak Prescott era, in Dallas, which is that they're really quiet. They lose a couple of clunkers. They're not playing the best football. The national media is not talking about them as much. And then all of a sudden they come out and they hang a 40 spot on on a bad team. Um, And that's exactly what they did. They came out, they dominated this game, the first half. Defense looked great. Um, There is a noticeable trend, though, with this Cowboys team, which is like when the defense scores a touchdown, all of a sudden they're blowing people out. You know, this isn't quite the giants game or the jets game or some of the games earlier in the season that the Cowboys blew teams out because their defense scored the nine. Yeah. Um, you know, cause they scored, you know, 14 points on special teams or on defense, but the offense looked good. Dax playing the best football. I think he's played in a couple of years in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the defense still isn't like world beater stuff. Like we thought at the beginning of the season, but we know that they're going to be a formidable, uh, formidable team. Um, and, I look, I was getting really high on the Rams after watching the Eagles-Rams a few weeks ago. It seemed like, hey, this is going to be a frisky team that's going to win a bunch of games. Not so fast. Uh, the Rams, I think, are just a bad football team, unfortunately. Um, and now it feels like that seven seed in the NFC really could come up to like pretty much any team uh, who gets hot at the right team. So maybe an NFC South team could sneak in there. Um, but I don't know. Does, do, maybe we're just like too used to this from the Cowboys over the last few years, but does this feel different to you guys or does it feel like this is the same old Cowboys thing? They're going to win a big-time game and they're going to show up next week going to Philly and they're going to lay a neck.
1: I think the difference is the defense can keep them in games a little bit better than I think like three years ago specifically, like thinking back further. Um, I don't know. I, I really believe that this is a better all-around. The, the ceiling of the entire team is higher I think than it's been before in terms of offense and defense, but I don't think this team is consistent enough. I was shocked. I remember early in the year when people were picking them to win the division and everything. Like I, I just think that um, they're they are what they are, and they're going to be up and down. They'll make the playoffs, and let's let's see if they can actually do something. I think that is the difference. I think this year they're like, you know, I think they're pretty much set to be the wild card team. Um, they're playing really well.
2: Yeah, but I, it's again, it comes back to the consistency for me, right? They're going to keep doing the same thing which has been the trend so far this year. I, I don't expect anything different. Uh, we still haven't seen the the Mike McCarthy game. Uh, you could t- say it was the Niners one, but they absolutely got bodied on both sides of the ball in that game. But yeah. we haven't seen the Mike McCarthy game yet. Uh, Tony Pollard hasn't been as involved as we need him, or as Cowboys fans need him to be. And, and Dak Prescott is... is still a good quarterback, but like, this is a game where CD goes out and gets 12 catches and 158 yards next week. What's going to happen. He's going to go get like four catches, 43 yards and maybe get a touchdown. Right. Yeah. This is the kind of like up and down that we, we we've been talking about with the Cowboys. So, you know, prove it to me week to week. Okay. Uh, that's, that's all I'm going to say. I, I just think that there's too many inconsistencies through a, a number of years that I'm not just citing this year through a number of years, especially with Mike McCarthy being there um, that, that, that I don't think they're, they're going to change. I do. I think they're a playoff team. Yes. But I, I don't see how uh, week nine is going to uh, make me think a whole lot differently than, uh, than I do already through eight weeks.
0: Yeah. I, so I actually agree with both of you. I, on one hand, I think the defense is more legit than it's ever been in this era during the Dak Prescott era. Right. I, and because of that, I think it gives them opportunities and big games. And we've seen, they're also banged up defensively still, right? Like, not having Tredavious White, who's, you know, arguably their, you know, second or third best player, is a really big deal. Not having, um, oh, why am I blanking on the the middle linebacker for them, uh, Van, Esch, Van right? Esch, right? I, I, I think that's a big deal for them, right? Um, so the defense, I think, because of Micah Parsons, because of DeMarcus Lawrence, because of the interior part of that defensive line, I still think is going to have games where they can just control the line of scrimmage. The one thing that gives me hope, and this kind of continues down with where I kind of agree with you, Vito, is like, it feels like they finally clicked for them this year, or at least in the last couple of weeks, rather. Um, hey, CeeDee Lamb's really good, and we should make sure we throw the ball a lot to him. And they had been icing him out, not icing him out, but not making him the, the, the center point of the offense, which they need to do. They need to make him the center point of that offense. He got 14 targets in this game. The next highest number of targets was four to Brandon Cooks. Right. They need to make him the the center point of that offense. However, I agree with Scotty, which is it's like we saw in the first two weeks of the season, CeeDee Lamb had a bunch of big games, got a ton of targets, and then they went away from that. Right. Tony Pollard, they've not been able to run the ball. I I don't think I can take them as a serious contender when like they need Dak Prescott to break off runs to to win football games convincingly. Right. One hundred and two rushing yards in this game. Tony Pollard goes 12 for 53. I need to see more consistently consistency in the ground game, especially when they're going to go up against really good defensive lines in the postseason like San Francisco, like Philadelphia. Uh, and, and now you could, you could probably also throw Seattle into that mix as well. So to me, it's like I need to see them do this for a consistent amount. And if they go to Philly and win next week, right, and at that point, the Eagles would be 7-2. and two. The Cowboys would be 6-2 and because they have a bye. So, technically, the Eagles will still be in first place. That's a huge, huge swing, especially because the Eagles then go on a bye week. By the time the Eagles play again, they could be going from first place to second place in that division and lose oh, their yeah. f- first overall seed in, in the NFC. So, this is a huge opportunity for Dallas to come out. And we haven't seen a, you know, Dak versus Jalen with Jalen being a really good quarterback game yet, right? When, when Jalen played the Cowboys earlier in the season last year, they were going up against Cooper Rush. When uh, Dak went up against the Eagles on Christmas Eve last year, he was going up against Gardner Minshew. So seeing that head-to-head with both teams at full strength is going to be a really good indicator to me if this Dallas team is legit or if it's going to be more of the same. Um, but they're doing the right things in terms of their defense is playing really, really well, and they're throwing the ball to CD Lamb a ton. And I think if they do those two things – and limit what Dak Prescott has to do. I think they can be a good team, but until then I'm still more inclined to put them into like Minnesota, Seattle from last year, where it's like, you might be a, a, a the number one wild card team. You might even be, you know, a top two seed in the NFC. I need to see it still. I need to see more of it from them. Um, and the Rams, I think, look, the Rams are on their way to, to kind of calling it quits this season. Um, injuries are stacking up. Uh, Matthew Stafford injures them on this game. I think we can probably I don't want to say completely right off the Rams, but I think we for now, at least we can kind of put them in that like eh, we don't really have to worry about them category. Uh, all right. Speaking of the Vikings, Vikings, 24 Packers, 10. Kirk Cousins goes down with an Achilles and that sucks. Objectively, it does. He played really, yeah. really well <laughs> against the Niners on Monday night. He p- was playing really, really well against Green Bay in this game before going out. Um, and look, Minnesota, right, if Kirk Cousins is healthy, Minnesota's four and four, you're like, hey, they're only two games back in Detroit, right? Like, they're they're absolutely in it, you know, and, and especially with that wild card seed, you know, kind of coming out. And now you have Kirk Cousins, who by the start of the next season will be 36 years old, coming off of an Achilles tear. Um, he's also a free agent, so I don't know what the future of Kirk Cousins looks like. Um, I, I didn't think I'd be as bummed out about Kirk Cousins tearing his ACL. That's a huge bummer. Um, isn't it weird <laughs> a, yeah I mean credit to him man his right. PR people have done a pretty good job or maybe it's just time you know we've all just kind of become like yeah that's 10 you know what why, why do I why did I always used to shit on this guy I don't have to shit on this guy he's fine right. you know um, it's disappointing though it's, it's, a, it's a shame yeah. for them it's a shame for Minnesota fans because it felt like they were doing this without Justin Jefferson and then Justin Jefferson comes back in two weeks and now you you know you're five and five or you're six and four you get the best wide receiver in football back on your team now let's go make a playoff run you know um so it's a shame uh but it's it's another yet another example of you know injuries and how how much can can swing you know one play can completely swing seasons for so many teams
1: week in and week out in the NFL yeah man i mean i think this it's what's crazy is the vikings still dominate this game like packers are not a good team um they can't get it going they i'm just shocked at that like i thought they would i did have some growing pains but I thought they'd be better than than this. Um especially with the know. floor. Like Jordan Love was their leading rusher. Right? Like that's that can't be happening. Um it, it's just it's just wild right now to see what they're doing and and how poorly that offense is operating and on the flip side like the Vikings to your point who so yeah they traded for Dobbs, right? Is that who they got? Correct. Yes. Yes, yeah, so now it's like to your point <laughs> Dobbs on the come up. Now he's, he's all of a sudden on a team that's pretty decent. And like, let's see what he can do now with uh, to your point when JJ comes back. And I don't know, this will be a, a whole different look for the Vikings. Um, I, I'm going to guess in the next couple of weeks. So uh, very uneventful game, I would say, like, besides, again, the injury, that was the big thing from this, the big takeaway.
2: Yeah. Same. And, yeah. and I, I think it's, it's a matter of scoring points, right? You know, they've been doing this scoring 20 to 25 points a game uh, over, over the stretch where they've been pretty good without Justin Jefferson. Um, and you're right, Jeff, Kirk cousins going out when, if, if you're on that stretch and Justin Jefferson comes back with a healthy Kirk cousins as an, as a Vikings fan, I'm super optimistic, especially after what we did last year with uh, with the one score games in particular, and they're getting better on that front too. So Uh, I don't know. That's a bummer to have Kirk Cousins out. Um, I don't like that. Uh, But man, like the, uh, I think it was the quarterback series for me that just like humanized him a little bit, where it was like the whole time I've been like Kirk Cousins, mediocre mid Um, and, and, you know, it humanized him a little bit. And now I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. Kirk Cousins is out now. Um, And that's, that's kind of how I felt on Sunday uh, when he went out. And the minute I saw that injury, I was like, yep, he's. Dunzo. But yeah, it's a bummer. I, I, you know, I think the Vikings are still right there. I think talent wise, they're a really good team. JJ coming back with Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison has been coming on, man. You've been dogging him lately, Jeff, but that dude is legit. He's legit. Hey, look,
0: I loved, I loved him coming out of, out of college. Like I thought he was a stud coming out. You know, I loved him at Pitt. He played really well at USC last year until two weeks ago, he had done nothing and he's gone off in the last two games and and he deserves credit for that. He's, he's played really, really, really good football. And and. It's a rookie wide receiver, so you expect him to eventually kind of come along. I wasn't down on him as if, like, I don't think he's going like, to he be a good player. Like, I always thought he was going to be a good player. Question for you guys, though, about the Packers, quick, before we move on to the next game. It How much of this is Jordan Love in y'all's eyes versus how much of this is – because the roster I still don't think is that bad. They're the youngest team in the NFL. They also have their cap number this year is the lowest in NFL history. I think it they only make up like 17% of the cap. Like their number is insanely low. Um, so obviously they're in a rebuilding phase, but I've I have there has been rumblings about Matt LaFleur's job, and that seems surprising to me.
1: That would shock that dude wins. Yeah, I I don't I think this is more on the players than it is on the coaches to yeah. your point like this this coaching staff knows what they're doing. Yes, they had Rogers, so they probably get. Well, maybe too much credit, but I think that this Packers team still has a good foundation on what they want to do. I like, like right, Christian Watson. Like they've made some good picks. They've added some guys. Um, I don't know, man. I I think that like even Romeo Dobbs, they've had some guys come up and play well. It's just you can't throw the ball forty-one times. Like they're putting themselves in a bad spot, and they got to get more efficient on third down. Like they have to. They were five of 14. Like you're just one of four on fourth. Like Penn you're not going to win with that conversion. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. no, I, I agree with you though, Vito, but to that end, I think that that's
2: the case for it being Jordan love, right? You can't go 24 or 41 with those guys. You mentioned Robio Dobbs, Christian Watson coming back. Um. You can't be that inaccurate with those guys. And on top of that, not involve Aaron Jones, um, at all, uh, even as as banged up as he's been this year, he's getting healthier. But I think it is then a, a case where Jordan Love is not it's not ready for either ready for this Packers offense or ready for the stage. Uh, I don't know which. I think he's a
0: talented quarterback, but he hasn't shown it yet. Yeah, I, I think it feels like they've done too much with him in terms of trying to develop him. Um, I was listening to Mike Sando, who does his quarterback tiers every uh, every year, and he, he follows that position really very closely. And he was talking about just some of his mechanics. It's very like it looks a lot like Rodgers, like the way he kind of backpedals in his his drop back, and he's got a little bit of flair when he throws the ball. And it does kind of look like Rodgers a little bit, but I don't think he's even close to seeing the field the way that Rodgers has, you know, even at that point in Rodgers' career, saw the field. So I think simplifying things – Making easier reads, trying to put him in positions to succeed will help him uh, moving forward. All right, Titans, Falcons, Penn I State legend, Will Levis. I mean, I look, told you ooh, two and a half. <laughs> I And you know what? Of course they hit it in this week, right? Of course they covered the two and a half because it's always when you least expect it, right? It's always with the Titans I, when you least expect it. And I at this talked point, myself I was out of it. like – I was like, I even helped talk you out of it. I was like, there's no way yeah. rookie quarterback starting off against a good defense. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Desmond Ritter continuing to struggle. He gets knocked out of this game, was evaluated for concussion, apparently cleared concussion protocol. But then in comes Taylor Heineke and that offense looked significantly better with Taylor Heineke. Uh, I think if Taylor Heineke has been your court and I understand why they're doing it. You, you spent draft capital on, on a young player. You want to give him opportunities to succeed. You want to allow him chances to step up and, and like turn into something potentially. Um, but if I'm Atlanta, I'm like, look, we, how many more years do they have? I mean, Kyle Pitts is in his third season. You're only going to get two more years with him on a rookie contract right? Drake London's in his second year. You, you have a limited mm. window here and you have a quarterback who could go out there. If Taylor Heineke's playing in all eight of these games so far for the Falcons, I think the Falcons are more likely to be six and two than they are four and four. And I, I hope the Falcons will at some point hand the keys over to Heineke. As much as I love Desmond Ritter, I understand like you can't just make that switch because it can mess up the mental side and the, the mental confidence um, that, that a young player can have like Desmond Ritter. But this was a game that, like, the Falcons made a push there in the end. It was a night and day difference when you saw Taylor Heineke in this game versus Desmond Ritter. But nonetheless, the story coming out of this game, 100%, Will Levis looked awesome. He had his family there. The uniforms, which I still don't think the Texans should be allowed to wear the Oilers uniforms because there is a team in Houston. Yeah, they just got
1: a cease and a sister or whatever from the NFL. Did they? Yeah, they're not—they're not allowed to wear anything to do with the Houston Oilers because, like, it's going to go back and forth. But technically, that's their franchise. Like this whole thing, they're going to have to give it back to Houston. I totally agree. Those those uniforms are sick. I love—I forget who said it, but like, I love old football. What we talk about all the time. The closest thing we'll ever see to Earl Campbell was uh, Derek Henry wearing those colors and just trucking people over like yeah. that. That's the flashback I got. I'm like, Oh my God, that's Earl Campbell. Like that is so sick, man. Um, yeah. Oh God, I love it. But yeah. So they're not allowed to wear them anymore. Good call. Cause that's exactly what they were like. Uh, no, not anymore. Cause like <laughs> they're playing Houston when
0: they play Houston again, later in the season in Houston, they were going to wear them in Houston, which feels like a major middle finger. To me, it was like, what yeah. if the Ravens wanted to wear like, the old Browns the uniforms, or the yeah, or the Colts uniforms, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Either right? one. like, yeah, like either way, like those those teams obviously still exist, so it's a little bit different. But if you're talking about teams that left and moved to a different city, like you, you kind of give that up, man. I don't think you can hold on to that anymore. Um, but look, DeAndre Hopkins still has plenty of juice left. We saw Will Levis looked really good. I don't know if this is going to be something he's able to do, you know, repeatedly. But this is the best, I think, an offense has looked against the Falcons all season so far. And the Falcons have been a legitimate defense through seven games coming into this game. The Titans hit on the deep ball. Uh, they were able to run the ball. The offense looked completely different. I think this was a prime example of just how kind of shot Tannehill is in terms of a guy who can elevate your team. Will Levisaw yeah. is a long way to go. Obviously, he's one game into his career, but he is the sure. talent that he can help Dude. elevate your team. That but we've been down, saying down,
1: that when he was off his back foot through over the top of the defenders in the end zone. I mean, that's one of the best throws I've seen all year. And I was like, Holy and he shit. made it
0: look,
2: he made it look easy. It just yeah. looked like it's a quick, quick. It was yeah. a quick throw. It was unbelievable how good that was um, mm-hmm. from yeah. Will Levis, man. Um, yeah. yeah I, 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 I don't know if they can replicate it, but it's, it's for, for damn sure the best that that offense has looked, we've been saying the same thing about Tannehill for years. It's run the ball with Derrick Henry three times and then, Go make Tannehill make a play, which he can do probably at about a forty percent clip. But like the offense looked slow; it couldn't take the top off, even with AJ Brown in most cases when he was there. But this is like completely different—like
0: a shot in the arm. I mean, Will Levis as a cannon. Like we we've seen the way Will Levis can throw a football, and just having that threat. Like Tannehill was so inaccurate pushing the ball downfield. It's crazy. Like. Tannehill, at this point of his career, with all the injuries and everything that's piled up, he's not the guy who's pushing the ball down the field for it anymore. He's the guy that you can win in spite of in a lot of ways, right? Because he's not going to turn the ball. Like when they were the one seed in the AFC, right? Like he wasn't turning the ball over a ton. They were able to play really, really good defense. They were able to run the ball consistently. Like that's the kind of offense that can thrive when you have a really good defense and you have Derrick Henry and you have at the time an all pro left tackle and Taylor Lewan, like you, you had guys on that team that you could run that style of offense in the last four or five years, since that time when Tannehill first came and Derrick Henry first came and like all those guys in Tennessee were first there, the NFL's changed a lot. Right. And you need to be able to push the ball down the field. And I think the more important thing was this is the first time in how many years, that we saw a defense have to not crowd the uh, crowd the box in order to stop Derrick Henry. And when you don't have to crowd the box and you're not putting eight or nine guys in there, all of a sudden, Derrick Henry becomes fucking amazing because he's yeah. got space. He's able to go one-on-one with guys. You're giving him wiggle room instead of just putting him up against two or three defenders every time because teams know what's coming. You know, And obviously, it's not nine guys in the box, but... The amount of times they're playing six, seven, eight man boxes against Tennessee over the years that if you have a quarterback who can stretch the field, that opens so much more up, right, for a guy like Derrick Henry to be able to maneuver for, through, to just get that head of steam that makes him so difficult to bring down. And he had a f- fantastic game. So um Titans back, maybe. I don't know. It's still a rookie quarterback. Levis is going to have his his moments, right? There's no tape on him. Now there's a little bit of tape on him. We'll see uh, what happens next week as they move forward. But uh, great win for him. Really happy for him. And there was no QB system in this, too. I thought we were going to see a little Malik Willis, a little bit of Will Levis. It was none of that. It was Will Levis' show. He balled out. Credit to that guy. Have as much mayonnaise in your coffee or whatever he drinks because he's a weirdo. Have as much of that as you want. Um, but, yeah, I mean, sh- shout out to them. Uh, all right. Saints Colts. Saints, nice little comeback game here. Um, Minshew and, and the Colts offense look, I, it's kind of impressive. And this is what one hundred percent I still think is the Shane Steichen effect. Like the Colts are going to be able to put up points as long as Shane Steichen is there. Uh, that is uh, in unquestioned. Um, the defense, however, is going to be a, a a totally different conversation. I I was impressed with what we saw at Derek Carr. Uh, this is the first time since the AC joint injury that I think we're seeing Derek Carr be able to stretch the field out a little bit. 19 to 27, 310 yards. Uh, you got a little bit of Taysom Hill in the running game, too. Kamara broke off a couple of runs. He looked to have a little bit of burst to him. Rashid Shahid, an unreal stat line three catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I mean, he's that's actually, efficient. He was averaging 51 yards per catch, which is absurd. Um, And what's even crazier is it's not like there was like a 99-yard catch there. His longest catch of the day was 58 yards. So I think he had like a 58-yarder, like a 52-yarder, and then like a 47-yarder, and and do that math. and I think that adds up. Um, But, yeah, the Saints, they're not dead yet. The defense didn't look awesome in this game. Uh, I also thought it was a little weird because this game was, you know, the, the Saints were only up one going into halftime in this game. Jonathan Taylor, 12 carries, 95 yards in the first half, and then he didn't play. I think he I think he only played like four snaps in the second half, which was a little bit weird because like Jonathan Taylor was on his way to like a 200-yard game, and then they just pulled him and handed the ball off to Zach Moss the rest of the day. Um, but, yeah, Saints, big comeback win, bounce-back win for them. Uh, be curious to see what happens here moving forward.
1: Um, I was kind of shocked at um, how many, to your point, points Saints got up, 350 yards passing. Good for Derek Carr. Uh, finally getting his rhythm going there, but uh, they got Olave down the side. I mean, they even missed some, so it, the offense has the potential. Um, it's pretty crazy,
0: yeah. Over yeah, 100 I'm yards of
1: offense not... for Alvin
2: Kamara too. Yeah, he's a beast, uh, especially if he's on your fantasy team. Uh, second place. Um, I think that uh, Olave's relationship with Derek Carr is still gonna be a problem, like, um. And and it's both ways. It's been since Derek Carr got hurt, and it's been since uh, in in this week's case, it was because uh, it because Olave had a, a few drops down the side, uh, five catches on nine targets. I, I anticipate that that is closely reaching a point, especially if they uh, if they go on a, a bad stretch here. Uh, closely going to reach a point where it uh, it becomes like just an absolute point of soreness uh, for that team. Um, in that offense, but as long as they got uh, Alvin Kamara going, uh, I, I think, and I've said this before in weeks past this season, I, as long as he's going, I think they're going to be in good shape. Uh, because that team, whether it's through the ball, through the air or on the ground, that team runs through him uh, right now. Michael Thomas playing above uh, what any of us thought was capable, four catches for 68 yards, so um, the ability for them to be able to now take the top off uh, the healthier Derek Cargets I think is going to help them on offense, but uh but the Chris Olave thing, it's 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 gonna be a real problem.
0: I mean, it's look, Olave al- had a bit of a, of a rough week last week. You know, he pulled a Zach Bryan, you know, he said, you know, sorry, officer, you know, don't you know who I am? Try to pull that <laughs> off. Didn't work for him, backfired a little bit. Um, and yeah, I, I do agree with you though. I do think that relate like that dynamic should be better. But we've also seen flashes where Olave's had really good games this year, and I think I'm not quite ready to break to that out because I still don't think Derek Carr's shoulder is completely back, but I think we're getting close to that point. I think they have their bye week coming up here, too, in, in the next couple of weeks. Um, but ultimately, to win that division, you just got to hang around 500, right? You drop one, you win the next week. You win one, try to string a couple together. That's really what it's going to come down to. And then when they have their opportunities to, to, to win games against divisional opponents, um, you know, like they, they beat Carolina in week two. They lose that game to Tampa Bay. Uh, they have Chicago coming up this week uh, and then Minnesota, and then they hit their bye week. Then they have that game against Atlanta in uh, four weeks from now. So that'll be at what week 11, um, week 11 or week 12. That'll be a really interesting game too, because those are the games that one. And then in week seven, week 18, those will be the games to ultimately decide that, that division. Um, but they're in the mix, man. They're absolutely in the mix, to potentially steal that position and find their way in the postseason. Uh, all right. Dolphins, Pats. Not a whole lot to glean from this game. I mean, the Pats are are a bad football team. Um, I heard this stat. I, I think it was uh, Albert Breer had this, and I know a few other podcasts reference it too, but it's just mind-blowing to me, which is that if you look at the uh, the standings in the NFL right now and you take a look at the AFC, every single team in the AFC is within, I think it's like, uh, th- yeah, is within three games of first place in the division. Are the conference, except for the Patriots. 15 of Whoa, 16 wow. teams in the AFC are within three games of first place of the conference, except for the Patriots, who are four games away. Um, now, granted, that's only one game. But even still, it's like you have the Chargers, three and four, right? They're still kind of alive and frisky. The Titans, three and four. The Texans, three and four. You have all these teams that are all now the Colts. A, a, a full game. The Colts. <laughs> The Colts, Raiders, and Broncos are all three and five, but look, the Broncos are playing better football than we've seen. The Raiders, I think we can agree on, are done. This is easily the worst Bill Belichick-led team that we've ever seen in our lifetime, and I don't see it getting any better. The defense, I don't think is that bad. I mean, honestly, holding the Dolphins to 31 points like is not terrible, <laughs> You know, considering how dynamic that offense is. But Mac Jones is terrible. Um, there were reports that his name was getting floated around by the trade deadline. Nobody wanted any part of Mac Jones. I think he's, I think he's like very similar to Carson Wentz, but without like the top end talent. Like Carson Wentz had the almost MVP year when the Eagles won the Super yeah. Bowl, right? And like everyone really liked you know Carson Wentz because he was playing really really well. But you always heard the stories about how much of a shithead he was in the locker room and how weird he was and just bad leader. I think Mac Jones is very similar. And, and I know I remember it was me and Scotty or me and you Vito, when we were talking about the um, Nick Saban uh, was, was on before the uh, Jalen and Tua showdown on Sunday night football a couple of weeks ago. And Nick Saban was talking about like the one thing with Mac that he used to call him McEnroe, like John McEnroe because mm-hmm. his body language was so bad, right? Like his body la- and you see it in games. Every time they panned him on the sideline after an interception, it's bad. That interception he threw, I think it was the one in the first half, was one of the worst interceptions you'll see in an NFL game. Um, Bill O'Brien has not resurrected, you know, whatever we saw from him his rookie year. But hey, if you're Mac Jones, at least you have the, the, the one Pro Bowl your rookie year, right? You, you know, that, that flag flies forever. Um, feels like it was a little bit of a get right game for the Dolphins. You know, again, the offense moved pretty well of throws for three touchdowns. Jalen Ramsey comes back, which is really big for this team. He has an interception when his first game back. And I think that's – he's a huge difference maker for what the ceiling of the Dolphins can be. Having a guy like Jalen Ramsey who's kind of morphed into – and we talked about this when he was on the Rams. He's kind of morphed into like that Tyron Matthew player, right? He played that star position when he was in with the Rams. And Vic Fangio is going to find ways to put him in, not necessarily just straight-up man-man coverage – or drop him back on a a cover three zone, like they're going to have opportunities to use him as a weapon defensively. And I think that the plays with his instincts, his big playability, I think that's going to be a really big difference maker for this Dolphins team because the defensive line has talent. You have Bradley Chubb, you have Christian Wilkins, right? Then Ginkle has been really, really good in that linebacking room. You need to make sure that you have someone on the other side of Xavier and Howard that can affect games and make big time plays. And if this Dolphins team Wants to put up a good enough defense to match what that offense can do and potentially make a Super Bowl run. They need big time plays. And Jalen Ramsey, first game back, big interception,
1: albeit again, against Mac Jones. Still a really good sign for the Dolphins moving forward. Yeah, they needed some help on the secondary, and that's exactly why they brought him in, right? Like that's they needed him to make some plays, just one or two, especially in the bigger games as they get down the stretch. Uh Dolphins are an interesting team. Um I would say obviously very good, but like they are starting to play inconsistent in the last four weeks or so. Um, Getting back to a stride here, like the the sign of a good team, right, is they beat the teams they're supposed to. That's what they did even in division. So good for Dolphins. Winning by 14 is no joke either. So um, pretty impressive. Don't know what the Patriots are going to do. That seems like that's something to keep our eye on probably around like say like weeks I don't know 10 11 12 if they're still really really bad I, I don't know what's gonna happen there with players wow. coaches all that when
2: uh and they stood pat at the the trade deadline which which doesn't help their cause either um whether for this season or, or for the future so uh not a not a good situation there but uh for the Dolphins I think their their offense you know it was a get right game for them and then that, that offense especially as well as the the defense played last week, uh, or two weeks ago now, I guess for the uh, for the Eagles, um, so you know I, I think they're they're obviously able to to throw the ball as well as anyone. They've got the speed and the talent to to run with anyone, but they're most effective when they run the ball really effectively. And they only had twenty six for seventy eight on the ground this week. So you're starting to see Raheem Mostert with Devin, uh, Devon Devon H N out. Uh, starting to see Raheem Mostert take a, a bit of a step back. Maybe it was, uh, just the, the week. We'll see. But, uh, uh, I, I, I think that that is going to be, that's going to be an issue if, if they can't run the ball more effectively, uh, particularly against good teams, good defensive lines, um, that they know they can beat when they go man and stack the box to help stop the run and help, and, and then throw over the top to Tyreek. So we'll see. Um, that, that, uh, I'm not too concerned with that yet, but it's just something to to
0: keep an eye on. Yeah, well, for sure. And look, they've they've played two good teams and they've lost both of those games very badly. Uh moving forward, they have Kansas City, then they have the Raiders, then they go Jets, they have a game against Tennessee, they have another game against the Jets, and then I mean their finishing stretch, their last four games of the year are home against the Jets, home against Dallas, at Baltimore, home against Buffalo. Like there are six games on the schedule and, and I throw the jets in there only because that defense is really good. And so far we've seen them struggle against really good defensive teams and the jets just drag teams down and play ugly, make them play ugly football against them, which is, weirdly kind of fun it's kind of like watching iowa you know play iowa football the hawkeyes right they're just like we're gonna drag you down and beat you with our ugly football and we're gonna make you play our game i'm really excited to watch them play obviously kansas city this week is a really important game and i think it's gonna be a big benchmark but you know if they end up going over 500 in those games the rest of the way if they can pull off a game against kansas city if they can take the series against the jets if they can beat dallas baltimore that's and if they, especially if they can avenge their loss against Buffalo in the last game of the season, which they may not even have to do that, depending on how the playoffs and everything shake out, <clears throat> or that game could be for something as high as the one seed in the AFC, which is really interesting. Um, or at least the difference between hosting a playoff game and being a wild card team. Uh, Miami's going to have opportunities to prove that they're legit so far in the season, they've had two chances to do that, they have not looked great. And I'm very curious to see what that continues to look like as the season goes on. Uh, Speaking of the jets, they find a way to get it done here uh, against the giants. Really, really ugly, disgusting football game, but beautiful at the same time, Vito. I know this is a game that's like right up your alley. There was more punts than points in this game, Mm -hmm. which is unbelievable. There were 25 punts compared to 23 points scored in this game. There was also a, a very fascinating call at the end of this game, uh, the spot there that the New York Jets offensive lineman spotted the ball basically for the officials. The official came in, tapped the ball to put it in play and they were able to get the snap off. Um, you saw a bunch of people come out and lose their minds about this on social media, but Jeff Schwartz, resident offensive lineman defender that he is actually said that the credit there goes to the Jets center in that game because he accurately spotted the ball. So if, If the offensive lineman spots the ball correctly, all the referee has to do is touch it. So he was on top of that, knew exactly where the spot was, got the ball down, the ref put it in play, they got the snap off, sends into overtime. We were close to the first tie of the
1: season, Vito. I know you were waiting with bated breath to see that happen. A New York tie, dude. It was a New York tie in their stadium that they share. They they tie in the stadium. It would be beautiful, not to mention time it had again. Everything you wanted, <laughs> yeah. It had everything you wanted for a tie. Low scoring, a lot of punts, missed field goals at the end. Horrible third down percentage. Both these teams only had two third downs between the what is that? Thirty four opportunities they had each, or uh, combined. So four out of thirty four they were. I mean, this is atrocious. This is yeah. atrocious. It's, uh, it was it's it gosh. was disgusting football. Also, shout out to Tommy DeVito. Dude, Syracuse- he had negative nine passing yards. Paisano, negative nine is what the John negative Zander
0: nine. Was. I believe it. That again, like every stat fourteen this attempts, game,
1: <laughs> it's
0: so bad, so bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, it, it, that and Tyrod
2: got knocked out of the game, and, and so that was a huge part of it. But you're not going to ask Tommy DeVito to throw the ball that much. No,
0: I mean you can't. You can't. Um, I I guess if you're a Giants fan, you look at this and you're like, hey, well, Daniel Jones got cleared on Monday, and he's coming back this week. But, you know, I it's it was a bad game. Um, shout out to Saquon, I, because like Saquon still putting up over 100 yards in this game is fucking ridiculous, considering how how ugly of a football game that this was. Um, but, yeah, my God, just awful. And I will say this, too. <laughs> I will say this, too. The two throws that Zach Wilson made on the final drive were fucking sick. OK, incredible. Yeah, the, the, the such a good try to get them down and to get the spike off. That throw was unreal. Zach Wilson. So maybe he just needs to play every snap as if there's only 15 seconds left in the game. And then maybe the offense will start to move a little bit. Um, Good recipe. I don't know. Maybe that gives you hope. I, I I just, I will say, I just love that this jets team is like, this is what we are. Everyone on our team, including Zach Wilson knows they're not going to put up a lot of points. So all that they're going to do is a defense, make this game as ugly as possible. And we're going to figure out a way to try to win it. Robert Sala seems to be a really good coach in terms of game planning. Doesn't seem to be a great coach in terms of in-game stuff, but they found ways to get it done. And the Jets, despite everything, with only five snaps of Aaron Rodgers on the field this year, are five over 500 at 4-3. and three. I to- called it. Just like we drew it up. <laughs> just like we drew it up. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was it was it was terrible. Uh all right, got a couple more games here in the one o'clock games. Jags Steelers. Jags win this game 20 to 10. Five in a row. Duval is going nuts right now. Um look, this is a weird game as well, right? Pickett getting knocked out of this game. Then it's the Trubisky show. It's more of the same with Matt Canada, man. I I just I can't. I can't keep watching Matt Canada. I it's at it, this point, it's it's getting to like uh Matt Patricia and Joe Judge being the off co-offensive coordinators for the Pats last year. Like this is coaching malpractice at its at its most relevant. It's so bad watching this Steelers team try to run offensive plays when there are legitimate weapons and not a terrible offensive line. But it, it is just so painfully off, obvious how terrible this offensive scheme is. Uh, the Jags, it wasn't a perfect game. The Jags keep winning these ugly games, and because of it, they're now tied for the best record in the AFC. If they had pulled off that win against Kansas City, which they should have, they could be 7-1 and one right now, which is crazy to think. It's ugly. It's not super pretty. But it is starting to give some whiffs of the 2017 team that, that Doug Peterson led for the Eagles, right? It's a young player second season with Doug Peterson. Defense is playing good. You have some veterans on the back half of that defense. You have some young explosive receivers. Travis Etienne, I think he's top five in the league in rushing right now. The Jags are winning football games, and learning how to win is just is and learning how to not lose games sometimes is just as important as coming out and blowing teams out, especially with how the NFL has looked this season so far. So credit to Jacksonville. Shout out to Nick Calcaterra, the only Jacksonville
1: Jaguars fan I know. He deserves Dude, he, it. He sent me some fire stats. I gotta, I gotta send off. All these credit goes to Nick. First of all, the Jags now have the the longest active winning streak in the NFL. Wow. All right, their last win streak. Um, so they set the record the for five in a row. Their streak before that was four, and it was in 2007. They are not a team that has streaks like this. I think this might be the longest in their franchise history. It's crazy. Um, Great for them. But yeah, like this is now the hottest team in football, if you really want to put it that way, right, in terms of streaking and wins. It's crazy. It is crazy. Um, I I love that. I I hope they continue it. That's just so crazy that five is the most in your franchise. And also, like, they haven't been around that long, right? 25 years-ish. And they haven't Uh, had a ton of really good teams. I mean, they had the team in
0: 2017. They went to the yeah. AFC the Championship 90s. game, Brunel. and then they had the Brunell yeah. team. And you they had, had that a, a 07, little 08. bit of By- yeah. Byron Leftwich, David Garrard teams. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, it's been a franchise that's been really bad. I I'm all in for Jacksonville doing well. Okay, like mm. Doug Peterson seems to be, and and I said this when the Urban Meyer thing was going to shit. I remember it was like week eight, and I was like, we need like they need to because Doug took the year off, and I was like. They need to go out and they need to bring in Doug Peterson. They need to do right by Trevor Lawrence. Uh, And again, Trevor Lawrence hasn't looked incredible, but I think we've seen like this Steelers defense is legit. All right. Like this Steelers defense is the calling card of this team this year. Right. And Mike Tomlin has them playing really good football. 20 points on the Steelers is, especially with how bad that offense is, should be enough to win you football games. And in this case, it was. Scott, you got any other thoughts here?
2: No, no, I think, I mean, they're a really good team and they're, they're peaking at a good time. Uh, the schedule doesn't get any easier. They've got the Niners um, uh, after, after both of them are on a bye this week and then they play each other um, right after the bye in Jacksonville. Um, so we'll, we'll see what that brings. Um, but they got the Bengals and the Ravens uh, both at home this year as well. So uh, it's it's starting to get, you're looking at the the schedule and it's like, it's getting a little favorable for, a team who, especially last year, like look how well they played when they started getting momentum playing well, that's when they won games down the stretch. That's what kept them in that game, despite the scoreboard in, uh, in LA or against LA uh, in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm with you, man. I I think this is, this is a team that uh, not only because of the five wins, they're six and two, just one of the best records in the league. But I think this team has something beyond that, 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 sort of intangible type of of thing that that uh that is is gonna carry them a long way. Um and, and a really tough AFC too. Um and I think they're they're in much better shape right now than I think the Chiefs are. Uh, after especially after this week. Um so yeah man I'm I'm loving what the what the Jaguars are doing, but I hope uh, I hope week 10 doesn't uh, doesn't go well for them.
0: I think before I fully put them into contender category, I need to see the offense click. You Know there was the one game, game. yeah. Was it was the Colts game or something earlier this year that they put up like 38? Um, I I forget what game it was. They had one game that they looked really, really good offensively. The Texans, yeah, the Texans game. Um, everything else, yeah, they've been 37 in each. Everything, everything else has kind of felt a little clunky offensively. Um, but the thing is, Scotty, and I was going to bring up the exact same point that you did was the one thing about the core members of this team, right? Josh Allen defensively. And Trevor Lawrence offensively, right? And, and and what Doug Peterson has done such a good job with because they came back and won that game last year against the Chargers. Everyone who's on that team right now, who is on that team from last year, they believe, right? You win a game like that, you believe that. Hey, we can win any game. No matter, no matter, <laughs> no matter. Yeah, of stuff. Like they believe they can. They're in every single game. Every single game that they that they play in, no matter who it is, no matter what the score is they believe that they can come back and win that game. And that is really, really valuable. Again, it goes to that learning how to win football games. And this team has done a really good job of that. And if you look around the league, look at the teams that are at the top of the standings everywhere, whether it's the Eagles, whether it's the Cowboys, the Niners, uh, you know, on the AFC, the Chiefs, right? The Jags, because the offense, there hasn't been one dominant team that has been a cut above everybody else the whole season. All of those teams have won a bunch of weird games, And this might be one of those years where finding ways to win weird games might get you far in the postseason and maybe even give you a chance at the Super Bowl. So shout out to the Jags. The Steelers, again, it's going to be this like they win a couple, they drop one, they're going to end up right around that 500, that 9 to 10 win mark. They're going to be over 500 by season's end. They have a very easy remaining schedule. um, And they're probably going to find their way to the postseason. Uh, All right. Battle of the first and second overall picks here. The Carolina Panthers get their first win of the season. They take down the Houston Texans. Um, disappointing game from the Texans, who I still think are frisky, but it's important to remember how young this team is. Like, CJ Stroud still made a bunch of really good throws in this game. But credit to the Panthers, man. It's it's hard to win the NFL, and it, when you get to a certain point, we talked about this with the Lions a couple of years ago, right, in uh, Dan Campbell's first year. When you are one of those teams where you're like 0-6 and and you just barely miss, next thing you know, it's 0-7, it starts to snowball. It starts to add up on you, especially since they don't have their first-round pick this year. It's even more important for them to steal off a couple of wins. I'm happy for Bryce Young. I'm happy to get that monkey off of his back. Um, I'm I'm bummed this was one of my five locks that I gave last week to try to hope that that parlay pulled together. It did not. but yeah, big win for them. The Texans could have put themselves above 500, could have put themselves coming off the bye and a chance to you know, to, to be in the mix. They still are, as we said before. They're only a couple games out, but it's a young team. They're going to have up and downs this year. But I was happy to see Bryce Young pull off a win.
1: It was almost a tie. And why I say that is at the end of the third quarter, they were going for two. They missed it. And then yeah. the Panthers kick it at the end. I would have loved – like a number one versus number two tie would have been beautiful – um, there was just a tie theme in the NFL this week, and I, I'm just man. It's been a while since we've had one. It, we haven't time. had one yet on. this year. We need a tie. Jonesy. I'm getting Jonesy. Let me pop my tie bottle. Come <laughs> on, yo, you got it. Yo, you got any of them ties over
0: there, bro? <laughs> yeah. Yo, you got any of them ties for me? <laughs> like Dave Chappelle meme, like scratching exactly. his face. Yo, yo, you got any of them ties? Tyrol Biggs.
2: Wow. I love. You know what? You know what I loved about the the end of this game was the the edge guy on the uh, on the. Uh, the game winning kick purposely goes offside twice. Um uh, to to try <laughs> to, first of all, he ended up getting like a free timeout out of it. Yeah. Um, which and then the the ball ended up they called a, a, a larger penalty on him for like basically obstruction of justice. And uh <laughs> and, like I, I was sitting there going like, oh, this is the moment that Pinheiro misses a 24 yard field goal, isn't it? <laughs> oh, to lose the game, and no, he put it through. But yeah, credit to to the Panthers for for sticking in this game. It's a tough road, man. Like, see, I, I loved those that stretch of like the three, four, five games, even when they beat the Jaguars, that the Texans were just letting CJ Stroud cook and uncork him and let him go. And granted, Nico Collins is just back, um and, and so that's part of it. But like, go let him go, man. Like. Don't force the running Like the running game hasn't worked all year. Why are we going to try to force it now? Like, go let CJ Stroud cook, um, and, and then go bolster your offensive line in the draft when yeah. when you're you're up at the in the top fifteen um, at the end of the year. So I, yeah, man, I just I want to go see Stroud cook. I get like the the shyness
0: of not letting him or not wanting him to get injured, but like, well, and I don't think, think it's the that ball. they're I don't think it's that they're protecting him because he's had multiple games this year with over forty attempts in them, right? So it's like they're they're willing to let him go out there. I think what they're trying to do, and I think this is smart on D'Amico Ryan's part, if I'm correct in my assumption here. Obviously, I'm not in that locker room. I don't know what they're preaching. But what I think they're doing is I think they're trying to learn how to win football games, like just what we were just saying about Jacksonville, right? If something's not working out and you have a game plan and you're adjusting it and, and the Panthers are taking away stuff that you can do throwing the football, find another way to do it. Find another way to get it done, right? And and ultimately, that's going to be a really useful, useful tool for a guy like CJ Stroud, because there are going to be games where you don't win it throw, you know, throwing the ball 40 times. Sometimes you win it throwing the ball 20, 25 times, but you run the ball for 35 times, right? right? I think they're trying to find ways to win football games. I think they're going about it the right way. I think they didn't execute a ton in this game. And that was one of the things that kind of held them back. It wasn't a great game. He's a rookie. He played so above expectations through the first seven weeks of the season right. that we weren't expecting him to, to continue to look this good. You know, it'd be completely unrealistic to think he would look that good throughout the rest of the game. He obviously did not. uh, And they came up a little bit short. But again, if you're a Texans fan, you're like, we have a franchise quarterback. We have a franchise head coach. We're going in the right direction. Will Anderson's awesome. You're going to continue to build in that direction. Uh, All right. Last of the one o'clock games, the games that I attended. Eagles 38, Commanders 31. Go Birds. (laughs) You know, um, it's yeah. the night. Let's bleed for a minute and, there. <laughs> it sure, did the first half was not fun. Um, I mean, look, Sam Howell, credit to him. I've been saying it all season like the kid can throw and the kid can play. I, I thought the game plan coming into this game was really, really smart. I think it's something that teams have tried to do to get after this Eagles defense to try to mitigate how good that defensive line is. Um, the Eagles, if you look at their pass rush win rate stuff, like the advanced metrics on PFF, they dominated. The, the offensive line of the commanders in this game, but the game plan was so smart and so well instituted by Eric enemy that it was incredibly difficult for the Eagles' pass rush to get home. And it wasn't until the last play, last offensive snap for the commanders in that game, thank God, uh, or at least one, I, I guess the second to last series because they went down and scored the garbage time touchdown. Um, but that sack by Hassan Reddick, right, to kind of ice the game, and then they go down the DeAndre Swift touchdown. Um, but this is this is why I think people view the Eagles as as the best team in the NFL right now. And it's because and this was a lot of what they did last year. We talked about this as the season went on last year. They can beat you in so many different ways. Right. They, they can they, they find ways to win football games and it's not always going to work out. And if you look in their last uh, I think it's their last five games right now, the Eagles are minus seven in the turnover department. There are very, very few teams that go 4-1 and over a five-game stretch when they are down minus seven in the turnover department. But the Eagles have been able to overcome that. And so you think to yourself, hey, if they clean up the turnovers, if they clean up some of the sloppy little mistakes here and there, Jalen's a little banged up with a knee injury, if they can minimize some of those mistakes and hopefully, you know, because some of the turnover stuff is just luck, right? I mean, there's at least three that I can name off during that stretch that were completely fluky turnovers. When the luck turns – In this game. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, the tush push fumble, they had two fumbles within the five yard line, one on the three, one on the five yard line. You can't do that. And yet they still put up 38 points. I mean, there was a world where the Eagles could have scored 52 points in this game, which is crazy. They should have at least scored 45. And yet they still find a way to get it done when it mattered most Reed Blankenship with a huge interception. Uh, you know, and obviously Jalen Hassan Reddick with a huge sack there to ice out the game. Um, Jalen Carter leaves this game with a back injury. Uh, we saw Jordan Davis had a hamstring injury. He wasn't expected to play in this game. He did. And he was actually impactful on the snaps. He was out there. Major kudos to him uh, and Jalen Carter for both trying to tough it out. Um Kevin Byard in his first game, love the energy, by the way, because he had every single out. He could have been like, hey, you know, we play bad. It was a short week of practice. I'm still learning the system. He was captain. You know, that's not up to our standard. We got to play better. I played like shit. The the team played like shit. We have to be better defensively. Love that out of him. And Jalen put together his best passing performance of the season. And this is the perfect example of the... The, the growth of Jalen Hurts from the guy we saw in 2020 to the guy that we we're seeing right now, which is that he could not move. He only ran the ball four times in this game. He had one big scramble to pick up a first down. Everything else with Jalen was sitting in the pocket, scrambling a little bit when he needed to, making big time plays, and then obviously... The major guy you got to talk about in this game is AJ Brown. Six consecutive games of 125 yards or more breaks the NFL record. Uh he is currently, and this is to talk about, you know, offensive scorings down, but right now in NFL history, Tyreek Hill is ninth all time in receiving yards through eight games. AJ Brown is 13th all time. Uh he is at nine nine hundred and thirty-nine yards to the season at this point. AJ Brown is Tyreek Hill. I I believe just over a thousand or just short, I think it's like a thousand and three or something like that. Um, But my goodness, AJ Brown is playing outrageously good football. And then Devontae Smith, seven catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown on his side of it too. Um, It was an ugly game. The commanders divisional game. They play us tough. Sam Howell played his dick off. And yet the Eagles still found a way to win the football game. And ultimately, as long as they keep doing that, the Eagles are going to be in prime position. And that's why I said at the top that I'd much rather be, especially defensively,
2: where the Eagles are right now. Because no matter what happens on that defensive line, they don't get a sack until the last, what, a minute and a quarter of the game. Um, they don't, and that's one of the, the arguably the best defensive line in the in the league too. Uh, the secondary, uh, for the most part, Kevin Byard involved, James Bradbury is getting cooked every play. Uh, and yet they find ways to win games. They find ways to grind it out on defense when it comes down to crunch time, and then on offense, we know how good they can be with the weapons that they have. DeAndre Swift didn't have a great game, but he's able to to do it when it counts and get into the end zone. Um, and Jalen Hurts, I think to to your point, Jeff is is a consummate leader in that regard, not just an elite player because this is the best the best throwing game we've seen him have. Probably all season, but like the the ability for him to get in front of those guys on the bench and be like, "Nope, we're not losing this game. This is our game," and this that that's the 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 leadership that that elite teams have, especially from the quarterback position. So, uh, I, I'm I'm you know right now I'm willing to say that the Eagles are probably the best team top to bottom in the uh, in the National Football League. They're grinding out games that they shouldn't be winning, uh, and and somehow pulling out. Uh, pulling out victories because they're the better team, because they're better prepared, because they have more talent and better leadership.
1: I I agree. I think this game was um definitely closer to start, uh, and then it Eagles do what they do is in the second half had these long drives and it was not it was a little bit different this game, but they still were effective in the ground. But AJ Brown making huge plays, the catches over people, like it's almost just hey we're gonna run the ball team and we're going to plow it down your throat but then at the same time if it's blocked we're just going to go over the top and we got a guy who will jump and catch anything and by the way you'd pay too much attention to him we got the speedster on the other side that makes ridiculous catches too um, right. Oh, and then when we get in the red zone, let's just throw Julio Jones in there because we, fucking yeah. can. That, <laughs> that was <bad>. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And what's crazy is like they, they
0: basically ran Julio Jones as a tight end on that touchdown play. Like that play, they, they look like they run often, and, and <laughs> they put him out there and it's like, Hey, if he's going to be your third wide receiver option, I'd rather him out there than Zacchaeus or Quez Watkins, you know, playing as that third wide receiver, particularly in the red zone. And and if he's wide receiver two, like he, you know, like we saw a couple years ago when he was in Tennessee, he doesn't have that juice anymore. When he's wide receiver three, like we saw last year in Tampa Bay, he can be a really productive player for you. But Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, as good as they are, they're nowhere close to as good as AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. So now you're getting even more open looks. Plus, you have Goddard, which Tampa Bay didn't have last year. I think Julio Jones is perfect for a nice twenty snaps there. Um, look, the defense. They played 20 players in this game defensively. That is a really, really high number. And one of the things Sean Desai is doing is he's bringing – he's substituting a lot of guys, not just on the defensive line, but they ran a three-man rotation at linebacker between Zach Cunningham, uh, uh, Morrow, Nicholas Morrow, and obviously uh, Nicobe Dean. The secondary, you're getting reps from obviously Bayard, and, and Blankenship as your primary safeties, but they're playing this three safety look with Sidney Brown coming into the game, right? They're putting out uh, Eli Ricks, who's this undrafted kid out of Alabama who's been really good for them. Um, a bunch of different guys, Josiah Scott gets in the game, Christian Ellis. They're just, they're bringing in so many different players to, to play. I'm hoping that's for experience. That's to show different looks. That's to keep guys fresh. What I will say is, if they play this poorly defensively next week against Dallas, they're going to have to score a shitload of points to win that game. The Commanders have a ton of skill guys, and they they were able to move the ball well. I'm hoping Sean DeSai takes from this game, adjusts a little bit, and and we see some stuff move forward because the you know James Bradbury and Darius Slay were locked down against the the Dolphins, you know, a week ago. And then they get lit up in this game. Right. And, and James Bradbury is bad, but he also made a huge play on a third and long that, that, you know, got the Eagles, the ball back or on a fourth down. So it was like a fourth and six and he almost picked it off. So Bradbury's looking like a 30 year old cornerback who used to be a a top tier guy is supposed to look right. He can still give you really, really high quality reps, but he's going to get burnt a couple of times. Um, I love what you said there Vito about the, you know, how multiple this offense can be because when Jalen is healthy running the football and you have a fully healthy Lane Johnson and you have a, a not Sua Opeta playing right guard, you have you know Cam Jurgens in there, then that team can run it down your throat because Jalen can keep it, Swift can keep it, you have a better offensive line blocking in front of you. With Jalen banged up and J- Lane Johnson banged up and you have a backup right guard in there, they're not able to run the football as effectively. And in this game, it proved it, right? They only had, what, 59 rushing yards in this game. Um, Kenneth Gainwell. He's not a guy that – you know, he's the best pass protection back that the Eagles have, which is why he's playing so many snaps for this team. But, you know, and he was big in the receiving game on that drive before the A.J. Brown touchdown catch. But, like, you you need better production out of the running back position. But, again, if Jalen's banged up and all this stuff, cool, boom. We're going to aerate it out. We're going to find ways to put the ball down and score. It was a big-time win. Um, But when you look around the league and you're like, look, the Chiefs just lost to the Broncos and we'll get to that game in a second. Right. You have the Niners going on the slide that they have. You have the Cowboys, you know, losing to the Cardinals. Yeah, the Eagles lost that game to the Jets, no question. But overall, the Eagles play and have played in like eight weird games this year and they've come out on top in seven of them. Um, there's really only been one fully complete game and that was the Sunday night game against the Dolphins. The Eagles are better at doing that than anybody else. And if that's what the NFL is going to be this year, if there was one clear cut team that was seven and one had looked way better than the Eagles and all their wins, I would say they're a better team than the Eagles, but there isn't a team like that this year. Cause it's yeah. so weird. So shout out to the birds. They get the yeah, job done.
2: No. Bummer about Grant too, by the way.
0: Yeah. Any updates you can provide
1: with us here, Vito, how's Grant doing? So luckily he said, he's feeling pretty good um, together that's through good. Nick, but uh, it feels better than other, you know, head injuries he's had or anything, but, I is that only opening kick? Day by day. Yeah. A uh, oh first drive punt coverage. Yeah. Okay. So they put it early. And and so um pretty cautious, which is good. That's what you like to see in the NFL. Um, hopefully he's you know, it's nothing crazy, but he said his head doesn't hurt like it did before and the others good. and some stuff. So just good signs, good signs. So good signs yeah. across the good the vibes board. over but, there yeah. to Philly. Uh hope for a speedy recovery and hope it's nothing uh Nothing too bad. So love that. All right. We got a few more games. We got to get to here. We'll rip through these and, uh, and get on
0: our way here. Uh, Browns Seahawks Seahawks win this game 24 to 20 after a huge first quarter. Love the throwback unis for the Seahawks in this game, by the way. Um, The Seahawks looked really good, man. This is a big test for them, right? They've played some tough teams and some tough defenses moving to start off this season, and they've been impressive. And as long as Geno Smith is continuing not to turn the ball over, they're getting solid production out of Kenneth Walker. He's top five in the league in rushing right now, and obviously all the weapons they have on the outside. The Seahawks are for real currently in first place of the NFC West. And remember who told you at the start of the season – don't sleep on the Seahawks to win this division. Just saying, remember who said that? It was me. Uh, how we feeling? Scotty, I think we know how you feel about the Seahawks.
1: Vito, what are your thoughts here after a, a big time win for them against the Browns? Man, just a complete team. Like a Big Ten West, like Wisconsin, kind of just like, hey, we're gonna slow you down. We're gonna run the ball well, run some action off of it. Um, Miles Garrett only had one sack. That was the only sack of the day for the Browns. So Overall, pretty good. I mean, he was they were running around a little bit. Uh, Gino threw two picks, but I think overall, Seahawks are a better team than um, a lot of people think. Uh, again, these two teams were tied going in at four and two. I think they're they're probably both um, uh, playoff caliber teams. Now, the Browns need to figure out their offense, but to your point, the Seahawks feel like a complete team and feel like they can really get it going. I mean, Metcalf Caffin, I felt like finally got going a little bit in this game, and there, there were some positive signs out of that. The rushing was. Doing pretty well. I, I think Kenneth Walker the third should get the ball more. Like he had yeah. eight carries, an average eight yards a carry. Why are we not hammering that? So I think Seattle still has some stuff to figure out. And the fact they won and could be better yeah, is pretty impressive. Seattle's never been that. But like they, apart from Marshawn Lynch, they're
2: they're going to limit Kenneth Walker right they're now. They're going to bet Sean Alexander, at this point in the hell.
1: Like they've been. I feel like yeah, they've but, been that. At like, under like under, yeah, under Pete Carroll. Yeah, under P. yeah, that's
2: what I mean is it's like there's there's no point especially in today's nfl like there's no risk in giving kenneth walker 25 carries a game especially when you have zach charbonnet who you invested draft capital in uh to to rotate out and have both of those guys healthy um kind of like what the rams had been doing for the last couple of years um i i hate them i hate how good they are because you're right they are becoming a more complete football team they got better on defense before they added leonard williams um and boy mafe's balling out um their pass rush which had been a huge question mark uh through especially particularly last year but even through uh the first quarter of the season this year has stepped up um and it only gets better with leonard's uh leonard williams there uh, that deep uh, man, they might be the good. best secondary in
0: football. They might be the best secondary in football. Yeah, so it, it might like,
2: be. Their offensive line's getting healthy. I I told you this was a game I said, Look out, Tyler Lockett's gonna ball out in this one. He Eight did. catches, 81 and a touchdown. Um, I yeah, they're they're of all the teams that are left on the 49ers schedule. We have to play the Seahawks
0: twice, and I am not looking forward to any of those games. No, those games should be really, really fun. And look, I think yeah. from a talent perspective, I still think San Francisco is a much better team. But Seattle's but, a good team, man. But Seattle, this team is really well coached. And ultimately, like, if Geno Smith doesn't turn the ball over twice in this game, it's probably a full-blown route. And that's the one thing that's going to hold them back, is like Geno needs to get back to not turning the ball over like he did last year. Yeah. And if they can get that version of Geno, I think we're talking about Seattle as, as a potential, like, Top two or three seed, especially if they can find out a win to win that a way to win that division. Uh, all right, Vito, Basking it, my friend, the Broncos, twenty-four, Chiefs, nine. You put, you, you did the fan move. You bet Broncos money line to win that game, and they did. Fifty they bucks, did. baby, loved it. So Hunky here's the, off deal. the
1: Back, dude, we great. haven't we haven't beaten them in over two thousand five hundred days. Okay, wow. we haven't beat them since twenty fifteen. 2015. 2015, all right, it's almost a decade, eight years. This is ridiculous, wow. bro. I'm so glad we finally got it. Um, I loved, I watched all Sean Payton's interviews. Like, listen, I love all that, and that's great. But, like, we were just focused on this team. We played him a couple weeks ago, made some adjustments. Seemed like it worked out well, which is what you want to see in a coach. Can you not lose in your division twice, right? You want to win one game. We haven't done that in eight years. So this is huge for us. Um, huge monkey off the back. Obviously, Taylor was not there. Thank you. Um, and for that, and, and outside of that, I mean, I guess also maybe it's something to do with Mahomes being awfully sick where he was like, had IVs in him all day before. And, and it sounds like he was in a loved bad punts and
0: dropped touchdown catches and yeah. a lot of stuff. And hey, no
1: touchdowns. So yep. that wins all, a win, right? You hey, don't apologize for a win in the NFL. Nope. Nope. Not like this. So how about this? Our defense, which is crazy. gave up nine points to the chiefs, give up nine points and gave up, um, I believe here, what do we have? 17 there, 19 to the to the Chiefs last time. So they're averaging like less than 15 a game. Point is we've done all that in the last three weeks, and we're still the 32nd defense in the NFL for points because of the goddamn <laughs> Dolphins game. So uh we are screwed for the rest of the year, and a defense is looking better. That should come down, but god damn it, isn't that wild? We've given up 19. Seventeen and nine, and we're thirty second in the NFL. Still, <laughs> yeah, just
0: giving up seventy points in the NFL game will do that to you. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's a it's a great win. It's a great win, just as a fan. Yeah, because like it, I don't care what it looked like. I don't care. Russell Wilson, twelve of nineteen for one hundred and fourteen yards. Don't care. Mm-hmm. Don't care. You know, like you'll take that. But you um, would never have guessed that.
2: Like no. every time that they threw that game on red zone, I was like, Russell Wilson looks like Tom Brady right now. <laughs>
0: But <laughs> when you watch the full game, yeah. he surely didn't. And this was one of the games I went back and tried to watch the, as much of the full game just to get an idea of what it was. And it, it was, again, this this issue with the Chiefs who didn't make a move at the deadline to add another receiver. They made their move bringing back McCole Hardman. Um, this is going to be a problem for them, man. It's going to be I, a problem. And look, if Mahomes is not sick in this game, do they probably win? Yeah, they probably do. Or at least it's nah. a little bit closer. Um, but we, we'll never know right? Well, never, no. And and to your well, point, we, Taylor the wasn't thing that there. you're going
1: to see is we bracketed Kelsey. It was a guy on his left, a guy on his right, and we didn't give it. was man to man. They were just staring at him. They didn't give a shit. There was no zone to sit down in. And I think you're no going to see space. a lot of teams changing that. <laughs> Correct. Correct. No blank space. There you
0: go. Perfect way to, to transition. Uh, Ravens 31, Cardinals 24. The Ravens, uh, fought, hold on to win this game. It was a, kind of a weird game. Had the, yeah. the last second backdoor cover there by the Cardinals. Didn't love that. That hurt my feelings a little bit. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, it does feel like in the last couple weeks, like the Ravens offense is starting to gel a little bit, but they're playing the worst team in the NFL, and they they win by only a touchdown. Again, I know that's garbage time Uh, is, is, is part of it, but I'll, I'll say this, like Gus Edwards, please stay healthy because if he goes down – man, Baltimore is going to be in some trouble. Because I don't, I mean, is Melvin, is Melvin Gordon still on their practice squad? I don't know what they do if I, Gus I, Edwards goes down. But um, I will say the offense is looking better. The defense is still really good for Arizona. Or sorry, for for Baltimore. Um, yeah, and the birds, the the, the Baltimore birds. Uh, yeah, they keep finding ways to win this game. I What I was like flabbergasted by, and I texted
2: you guys this while it was happening at the game, was like, Baltimore's M.O. for years, even before Lamar got there, run the ball, run the ball, pound it down their throat, and and use the clock up. They go up on the road to Arizona against the worst rushing defense in the NFL, and all of a sudden, Lamar Jackson's going to sling it all over the pitch, and he goes 18 for 27. That's the game plan? I mean, get out. What are you doing? You stick to running the ball. And then they did, and Gus Edwards finally ends up with 19 for 80 and two, uh, three touchdowns. Uh, hello, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, like, it's not complicated for them, and it shouldn't be because Lamar is good, one way or the other. And uh, like, I, they, again, they went up against the worst, probably one of the worst teams in the NFL. But like, uh, but yeah, man, just like the Ravens can be good. They're defensively like they're they're solid. Just stick to your thing, <laughs> stay they, in your lane.
0: Their numbers statistically since the Roquan Smith trade a year ago. They are a top five defense in the NFL, and that is with all of the injuries and with the the constant shuffling of the back end of that defense without having a premier pass rusher. That is the difference that having the center of that defense be as good. And it was very similar to what we saw out of the Niners, right? Like the year Nick Bosa was out for the season, right, when he was doing that stuff. Like that defense was still always really good because you had Fred Warner in the middle of that defense and you had um, – uh, who's the other linebacker there, Scotty? Greg Greenlaw. Um, Dre Greenlaw, right? You were so strong. We saw the same thing with Tampa Bay where when they had Levante David and Devin White playing really, really good football, it makes a difference. And and that's an often forgotten about position. But when you can be really, really strong in the interior of your d, uh, defense there and the heart of that, that linebacker position, it can make a difference, especially if you have one of the few guys who's truly a game changer. And Roquan Smith is one of those guys. So Ravens continue to play really good football. Uh, all right. The last two games – we have three games left, but the last two – We don't have to talk much about chargers beat the bears. We all kind of expected that Mm -hmm. Tyson Bajan. He had his moment. Um, It didn't look great. Uh, And then lions Raiders lions find a way to get back on track. They win that game. The Raiders they are, dumb football team Devonte adams is talking about how he doesn't want to be there when to get traded bro you chose to go there like it, I, he was saying I, it was to go there <laughs> yeah he was saying it wasn't his choice i mean he wanted the money and you know, which i understand and can respect right especially in the nfl you work really hard to get really good and then get a chance to be in free agency and hit free agency and and Devonte adams did but you don't get to now sit around Two, less than two years later, and be like, "Well, I, I didn't even choose to be here. I was traded here." Bullshit, man! You were the one talking about playing with Derek Carr again. I'm I'm done with the Raiders this year. That that's a shit show of an organization um, with a very cool new stadium. So enjoy. The also, stadium. the lines
2: are really good. Like lines they are reminded good. us why they're really good. <laughs>
0: yeah, it wasn't a super clean game from them, and yet they still pretty much dominated it. And that's pretty much all you know, all you really need to take away from that. Um, but the last game we'll talk about here will be the Bengals and your Niners, Scotty, how are you feeling? Um, three and a low in a row. Bengals are back. Bengals looking like the Bengals, which is what I said on, on, on Friday's show. Um, but how are you feeling? Three in a row. Obviously, it's a little sketchy, but I still think there's reasons to be optimistic here. I don't
2: know why. It's a, such a bad stretch um, on both sides of the ball. It, it is, to me, a colossal failure. Uh, perhaps the most colossal failure in sports to have this amount of of talent on of offensive weaponry and, and score seventeen points per game each of the last three weeks. You've got a billion dollars invested in that defense. and especially the defensive line. you can't get to the quarterback. you can't force a turnover. you can't stop the run. And you go out the last three weeks, two of those uh, granted, look i'm 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 taking this week, i'm I'm gonna put it aside and then get back to it. But two okay. of those three weeks, you make P.J. Walker and Kirk Cousins look like they're Hall of freaking Famers. A- and then you go and get eviscerated by Joe Burrow, which, duh, if you're going to keep playing the way that you're going to keep playing, uh, or that you've been playing, then yeah, that's going to happen. Joe Burrow did a dynamite job, not only with his legs off the bye week, because he made some great plays uh, with his legs to to. Keep the keep the drives alive in uh, in a lot of cases, but uh, just in general, uh, his mobility in the pocket looked a lot better. Um, But if you're going to go out there with as as bad as that defensive line has been and let Joe Mixon run the ball effectively and then go play man against Jamar Chase and T Higgins. What are you thinking? Like, I, I don't understand that philosophy. And so for me, it's like, okay, you've paid these guys. You've brought in Steve Wilkes, who you think is the answer. That is the the non the first non homegrown defensive coordinator that we had in like seven years, and and like I I just don't understand what what goes through your mind on offense and defense when you have uh, when you have that talent on defense, and then even with Debo out, you still have CMC and Kittle who had a big game this week, uh, and, and like I just I don't get it.
0: I don't get it. It's just bad football, uh, top to bottom. Look, I I understand the frustration. Like, I I do. I I think it's a few things. I think they're a team that looks like their starting quarterback was the guy who was the last pick in the NFL draft right now, right? They look like they're a team that's missing arguably the best pound-for-pound player in the NFL in Trent Williams, I think we're realizing all of the little minute stuff that Debo Samuel does in the screen game, the downfield blocking, the stuff he does pre-snap, the the threat he is with the ball in his hand is really important. So not having those guys, having CMC be banged up is definitely a problem. Um, And then again, I think the D'Amico Ryan's thing is a huge loss there's only so much you can do in terms of replacing guys, right? That's why we always talk about why it's so incredible what Nick Saban does at Alabama, right? Losing offensive coordinators, losing defensive coordinators, bringing guys in, revamping their career and then still maintaining that level of success. It is really hard. And the part of the problem, when you are that good and look, I'm dealing with it too, with the Eagles, when you have coordinators that are going to go on to be NFL head coaches in other places, it gets exceedingly more difficult to replace them, with guys like Brian Johnson from Shane Steichen is a huge step down. That's a big reason why part of that has to be, how do you adjust? How do you deal with the injuries? And ultimately Brock Purdy has been fucking awesome. He shouldn't have played in this game. The fact that he had the concussion last week got cleared as late as he did to go in this game and then smash his head on the ground again and not get pulled out of that game is absolute malpractice by the NFL But Purdy is also, even when he's healthy, he's limited, right? And I think ultimately teams with the amount of tape now, because we're coming up on almost a full 16 games, 17 games of Brock Purdy, teams are starting to figure out what his limitations are, what passes he likes, and it's up to him now to take that next step, right? You've been great through your first 14 games and you've had all these amazing guys around you. Teams are starting to catch up. That's what's going to happen. How does Brock Purdy now go to the next level when he doesn't have Trent Williams, when he doesn't have Debo Samuel? And I'll say this too, and this isn't a total knock on Brock Purdy, because how many quarterbacks could we say the same thing about where you're arguably your two best players on offense or two of your three best players on offense and your best offensive lineman are out of a game how many teams are going to win football games like that especially when they meet up with a Bengals team coming off of a bye getting healthy with joe burrow looking like the version of joe burrow that we've seen before and a defense that's playing as good a football as we've seen cousin lou we talked about him on friday's show vito you weren't here for that but i i named Lou Amarono, whatever his name is, cousin Luke. Because I never know how to say his last name. <laughs> cousin Luke put up a fucking awesome game plan for this for this game, and ultimately, it's up to the Niners to figure out how do you adjust from here, right? How do you? And that's yeah. that. That's on Kyle Shanahan. Uh, and, the bye week could not come at a better time, yeah. right? It, look, because as poorly as they played over the
2: last three games, you still have to play the Jaguars on the road coming out of the bye. I stink on the road. You got to go to play the Eagles on the road you've got the Ravens coming up later in the season, and you've got the Seahawks twice. That's it's a tough stretch. five huge games in the back half of the year that if you play like this, you're not going to the playoffs.
0: No, and these you're were not. games that were really valuable for them to have won because, and again, part of that is injury, but because the, you know the Eagles and the Cowboys are going on really tough stretches coming up in this part of the season, and so, yeah, now we're this, two, we lost another game of ground on the Eagles. But, but if you figure it out, the Eagles have the hardest remaining schedule in the NFL, and the Cowboys have a really, really difficult remaining schedule. So you hope that both of them cancel out a game against each other. You hope the Eagles go on a bit of a skid. And next thing you know, you're right back in it. And and Kyle Shanahan is a good enough coach. But this is, unfortunately, the truth of when you have one of those, like, guys. We talked about it with McVeigh after he lost the Super Bowl. And it took him a couple of years to get back. When you have one of those guys that the league gravitates around, that pulls all the coordinators, who's looked at as this guru, this catch-all who can fix everything, when it doesn't work, they get all of the blame and they get all of the pressure that comes with that. And that's a really hard thing to overcome. I still think the Niners are going to do that. The Niners are too good. I still think the Niners win that division. I still think the Niners are going to be a bitch to play. And they're going to have all of their energy and hate coming towards the Eagles in that game in, de- in the beginning of December. But in the meantime, you got to figure out a way to get Brock Purdy ready. And two weeks, like you said, hitting the bye week this is a perfect time to do that. Um, Vito, any other thoughts you want to throw into this game?
1: Not really. Uh, no, this. I, I, sorry, Scotty, I'll spare you. I, I don't know. This is. Uh, are it's you kidding? I ranted. I ranted enough for the both button? of us. I, I'm, I'm close.
2: Like if they go out in Jacksonville in week ten after the buy and do the same thing that they've been doing over the last three weeks, I'm, I'm fully hitting it.
0: Okay. All right. We got a panic button
1: watch for the Niners over here. I like that. And I, th- and honestly,
0: Scotty, I think that's fair. I think yeah. that's fair. I do. Um, but we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens here. All right. That's the pod for the day. Thank you everyone listening. Thank you, Scotty and Vito. As always, we will be back later in the week, week nine coming up some really good games at the top and then a whole bunch of shit underneath it, which means it's either going to be an awesome weekend of football or it's going to be super, super disappointing where all the shitty games end up being really fun and competitive and the good games are blowouts or everything's really fun and crazy. So I'm excited for it. It's always a good week. Week ten in college football as well. That's starting to heat up. So everyone, get your popcorn ready. We got plenty of first college
2: football rankings coming out later today
0: too. Yes, yes. The college, college football rankings. So um, for Scotty and Vito, I'm Jeff. Thank you all for listening. As always, we love y'all. We'll talk to you guys later in the week. Take it easy, everybody.